Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 313, chapter 43, without word or warning. I stared out the front window of anchors, looking at the falling snow and idly turning Denna's ring over in my fingers. Winter lay heavy over the university, and Denna had been gone for more than a month. I had three hours before class with Elodin, and I was trying to decide if the slim chance of finding Denna was worth the long, cold walk to Imra. As I stood at the window, a shaldish man came through the door, stomping the powdery snow from his boots and looking around curiously. It was still early in the day, and I was the only person in the common room. He walked over to me, snowflakes melting in his beard until they were bright beads of water. Sorry to bother you, I'm looking for a fellow, he said, surprising me with his utter lack of anything resembling a shaldish accent. He reached inside his long coat and pulled out an envelope with a blood-red seal. Kabofi, he read slowly, then turned the envelope toward me so I could see the front. Quoth, Anchors Inn, University, two miles west of Imra, Bellinay Baron, Central Commonwealth. It was Denna's handwriting. It's Quoth, actually, I said absentmindedly. The E is silent. He shrugged. You him? I am, I said. He nodded, satisfied. Well, I got this down in Tarbine about a span back. Bought it off a fellow for a hard penny. He said he bought it off a sailor in... The end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. Jeremy, is it a thick Is it a thick envelope or is it just an envelope? He pulled out a thick envelope with a blood okay, red seal. Okay. Great. Thank you. Is that different in your thing, or did I just not Oh, you, you didn't read thick, so I thought it might have been a mm. one of those strange little differences, but it was not. No, uh, the envelope is dummy thick, and I'm just a dummy. <laughs> Thanks, Jordana. Thank you. As beginnings of chapters often are, this is sort of a soft reset. This is establishing the scene before the actual action happens. And I feel like maybe I'm wrong. This is the first winter we've seen him spend at the university, right? Like we've seen on the page him spending a winter in, in Tarbian because there's like the festival and everything. But this is the first time it, on the page, at least, that there's been a lot of discussion of like snow falling around the university. Do you know what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah. Because he hasn't, has he been there for a full year yet? I guess not. It seems, I, I correct us if we're wrong, but... This is this the first winter? The last book he shows up for the term in like the the spring, and then he does a summer term, and then he does a fall term. You know, like that that might make sense. I guess so. I'm trying to remember if there's another bit of time truncation, but mm. until I think otherwise. Well, this, we're live this... right now, and a listener has let me know via the chat that uh, this is his first winter at the university. There you go. Boom. Problem Thank you, solved. SNC. Den has been gone for more than a month, so the implication, anyway, is that there's been a week or two time dilation in between. I am, I think, surprised that in this world that is relatively advanced in a lot of ways, there's no postal service or no like formalized messenger service. If they want to get a letter across the world, they have to like buy it off somebody in the hopes of getting a slightly better price down the line. It seems like an odd way to send letters. Is this how? posting would have worked before there was a formalized postal service the formalized postal service is a pretty modern invention right like you had the pony express back in the day but i don't know like and i think that was attached to the u.s mail but if you go back to like 
pre-modern societies, like before there was such a thing as like a railroad or anything, then you're back to messengers delivering messages by horseback. And there was no such thing as like a postal service in like the Renaissance, for example, you know, there was no like Royal mail. I think you would have to hire a messenger to, to take the thing for you. Exactly. But that would have been someone who was specifically charged with seeing the message there. Maybe I'm just not well, well read enough, but I can't think of any real world analog to this economy of having a letter floating around in your possession and being like, Oh, Hey, I'm going that way. I'll take it off your hands for, you know, the same price you paid for it or slightly better. It just seems, that seems a little odd to me. It seems like you would more often than not, you'd just lose your letter. It, it does feel like a weird thing in that they don't have messengers and instead have people paying other people to send letters. I think, I think though that none of us have enough information on like the world history of the, of, message sending to really talk on this the roman empire had like a system for like the government sending messages thither and yon and they did have like a relay system for like you know making sure you always had a fresh horse you could travel very far you know efficiently sure but that's the government and like military messaging yes exactly so i'm not sure how private this does seem you're right i think this does seem like a really weird and unreliable way to get a message anywhere because there's no like what guarantee do you have that it's gonna get where it's going for a fair price right like even if you had like a private messenger service like you know the medieval equivalent of purilator or or fedex the company is still responsible right if your letter doesn't get where it's going you can you know lodge a complaint with them this is a bunch of freelancers yeah it doesn't seem like a great idea to me but i wonder if rothfuss is basing it on something that we don't know about it's very possible well i'm too tired to google it (laughs) well we'll leave it for the many letters i'm sure we will receive on the subject well we can't be guaranteed that they're gonna make it here (laughs) (laughs) that's a good joke jeremy that listeners just take a moment and breathe it in because that was a really good joke Thank you. Thank you. I'll be I'll be here all week. We also get another reminder that people seem to have trouble pronouncing Quoth's name. I wonder if this made it in partly because Rothfuss started meeting, you know, after the first book came out, he started meeting people who pronounced Quoth's name wrong and it bugged him. So he's like, I'm going to make it as clear as I can in the next book how to correctly pronounce his name. I mean, he makes it pretty clear in the first book. Yeah, but people may still have been saying it wrong. Because he's had, in this book, we've had tw- twice now him, like, correcting someone's pronunciation of his name, haven't we? I wasn't keeping track of that one. Hmm. At, at least twice, yes. I read this as Kavothi, by the way. You said Kavothi, which is too close to the real thing. I think Voth is funny. I think finding as many incorrect ways to pronounce it as we possibly can hmm. should be our next goal. Kavothi? Kavothi, yeah, there we go. Kavothi the railway cat. McCavothy, McCavothy. There's no one like McCavothy. He's broken every human law. <laughs> he breaks the law of gravity. Much like Quoth. Okay, Jordana, our new meme is to mash up Quoth and cats. Right, so that's not happening, but I am going to segue back onto the letter that Dana sent. We have a comment on the live stream chat from SNC noting that uh, if a merchant never got uh, his message delivered, I assume it would hurt his reputation. Also, the region where the university is is called Bellany Baron. All right, let's hang on. Let's let there's let's quote is basically a cat essency. I agree. Uh, but let's let's take these one at a time. 
SNC writes, the postal service in a pseudo-medieval world would be very efficient. Uh, it would work based on the honor system. If a merchant never got his messages delivered, I assume it would hurt his reputation. True if that is how they were pitching themselves, if the merchant was was saying like, oh, of course, I will get this letter to you. But I think what's happening here is these are just like travelers being like, oh, I'm going that way. And this sort of s- smaller economy springs up where someone's like, look, I'm not going down there, but you are. Will you pay me a, a penny for this letter? Because I paid half penny for it. Uh, you can probably get more than that down there. I can see that working if there is a convention where like if people expect to get letters, they expect to pay well for them so that that it would incentivize that kind of thing. But I still think it's a little bit odd. I think also, if you're not pitching yourself as a, as like a letter carrier, then there's nothing to say, oh yeah, sure, I sold it to somebody. He must have not returned it. Like why not just toss it in a ditch if you don't want to go that way? Yeah. Or what if you get knifed? Yeah, yeah. like what, what's, what's the security that I have as a letter sender that this guy is not just going to like, yeah, feed it to his dog? Yeah, like I guess the idea is you can make a little bit of money doing it. What if you just cut your losses? If you say, all right, forget it. I spent a penny on this letter. It's too much of a hassle. I'm just going to toss it. Yeah, SNC's second thing is that um, the region where the university is is called Bellin A. Baron. One of the seven cities is called Bellin. We actually talk about this on an episode that I think has not aired yet, but we can talk about it again. The theory I had is that the university is built on the ancient city of Bellin, and that's why this, this area is called Bellinae Baron. In in the uh, in the story with Skeop, one of the two groups, the Ra or him, is going to Bellin. I think he's going to Tinue and they're going to Bellin. And it's implied that those are opposite directions. And if so, that would put Bellin at one end of the Great Stone Road and Tinue on the other, which works if you look on the map, because the university is at one end of the Great Stone Road and Tinue is on the other. I also think just like the way she notes down how to find Quoth is interesting to me because like obviously we're used to the format of of like addressing a letter you know the person's name the their street number and name and then the city and the province or the state and then the country and then the postal code but you know there's no formalized system of doing that in temerant but denna does kind of the next best things you know she starts at the most specific thing and works her way outward so the person is quoth he's staying at anchors inn Anchors Inn is at the university, which is two miles west of this, like, major landmark, the town of Imra, which is in Bellinae Baron, which is in the Central Commonwealth, right? So she's still doing the same kind of widening the focus outward. Uh, A book that one might want to read about establishing a postal service in a medieval fantasy world is uh, Going Postal by Terry Pratchett. Uh, It's a late Discworld, so you may get more out of it if you've been reading Discworld for a little while, because... One of the interesting hallmarks of Discworld is that it advances. Unlike a lot of fantasy worlds, it's not stuck in a generic medieval age. It moves on and they make uh, advancements and developments and they slowly industrialize and and make systems and institutions. And one of those is the Postal Service. So there is a story, uh, a novel about establishing a worldwide Postal Service on Discworld. And it uh, is sort of like based on this same kind of idea that in a well-fleshed-out and, frankly, globalized fantasy world, you would need a postal service. So how would you go about doing that in a world where there's magic and trolls and elves and things? How indeed. We do have a letter today. I paid a copper halfpenny for it. Hmm. This is from SNC, who writes on page 288. Hello, pagers. I have a theory about why the Ra regard people who ask for water over wine as part of their family. In the previous chapter, Skayop, when offered wine, preferred water because wine was not good for someone who walked all day on an empty stomach. 
So someone who wants water rather than wine is someone who knows the hardships of travel and is worthy to be part of the Ruff family. Thanks for the podcast and hope you're all doing well during this difficult time. That's a good read. Yeah, that seems plausible. I think my impression is that the custom of offering water and wine is a result of this story. But I suppose it's possible that that's not true. Two things can be true. No. I mean, I I think maybe this story formalized the custom. I think a lot of customs have their basis in utility. And so I think this this is all, it all is very honest and real. Mm. And I like it. Folks, it's a good book. Turns out this book that we've spent more than three years every day talking about is good. Who knew? We love it, don't we, folks? We do. And we love you. Continue to tune in to us and listen to us talk in your ear holes every day at the same place on this podcast that we call Page of the Wind. Wind.